Welcome to our Unveiled podcast. We are an extension of the Women's Life Ministry at Harvest Bible Church in Windsor. Our goal is to shape the culture of women so that we can be fully alive through this pandemic, but also beyond. And we just really believe that life, true life, begins in Jesus. And when we know Him, He begins shaping our lives to reflect His glory. On this podcast, we talk about everyday events that women experience Everything we discuss will be through the lens of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We desire to shape culture because we believe that culture is best shaped as we uh, live and love through Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to do on this podcast. We recognize that so much of what we're listening to these days has to do with the current virus. But we also know that life continues and that there's other parts of our life that we still want to talk about. And so that's largely what we do in this podcast. We want to talk about real life events that women go through and where they need some advice and some encouragement and maybe some culture shaping. We believe that um just because you felt it doesn't mean it's true. Just because you have believed it doesn't mean it's true. And certainly just because the media says it doesn't mean you should believe it either. And so we are called to live in light of God's truth. And that truth is revealed to us through his spirit and through his word. And so that's where we want to begin today. And we are continuing our series on wedding planning. Last week, we talked about wedding planning for moms. And today we're going to continue with that as we talk about wedding planning pre-engagement. And we just recognize that most of our life has been overhauled by the current virus and the response to it. But people do still fall in love and plan to get married. And so we have to talk about these things. And it can be refreshing, actually, to talk about something other than just the virus, something fun and joyful and love-filled. And so I'm excited about this current podcast series. And I'm super excited to have Karen Hazard with me today. Karen, I know that you love wedding planning. You are a floral designer and you just started your own wedding planning ministry. And so can you just tell me why or how your passion for wedding planning began? Oh, that's... That's a good one. Um, well, thank, thank you for having me here. Um, wedding planning for me obviously starts when you plan your own wedding. You, you get excited and you think that you, since planning a wedding, know everything. Uh, but then I started working at a flower shop and I became the event manager there. So that's any event that had more than 10 people, the staff would kind of pawn off on me and mm -hmm. I would help them organize centerpieces for, you know, little baptism parties or birthday parties and then weddings for 400 guests, weddings for 100 guests. And it just started with that. And I started realizing that um, there's a lot of ways that people spend their money. And I feel like there's always better ways. <laughs> I feel mm -hmm. like there's always better ways to um, work on a low budget, work on a big budget. And it just started kind of stirring up for me. You know, I help people with flowers as a florist, but I want to do more. I want to be able to help them um, with the random knowledge that I have from planning so many events, help them uh, make the best decisions, no matter if it's flowers or catering or, or anything. Good. I love that because it is fun to have some pretty extra um, things that 
are part of our wedding and our, our special days, our special occasions, and it's good to have an expert that's able to help us make it look beautiful. But before that big day happens, a lot has to take place mm-hmm. before we even get there mm-hmm. or even think about getting there. And so I just wanted to start a little bit about uh, talking about our theology of dating and marriage. Mm, and we definitely know that marriage is God's design and not ours. And so we we want to start with Him. And we discover right away in the beginning of creation that God's design for creation was for male and female, very Mm -hmm. clearly Mm -hmm. stated. God uh, um, created man and male and female in his image. And so we have to acknowledge that marriage is between one man and one woman. And our sexuality is is created to reflect his glory. And so we have to have those basics down before we, I would say, before we even get into a dating mm. relationship. Uh, Genesis 2.18 very clearly declares as well that um, it's not good for man to be alone and that he will make a helper fit for him. And so when man and woman come together, it is a good thing. It's a beautiful display of God's glory. And we are better together. Man and woman each reflect God's glory uniquely, but together they can com- complete it. Not perfectly because we're human, right? (laughs) But the best that we can uh, with his spirit in us. And so in the New Testament, we continue to see this revelation of God's intent for marriage. We see that in Ephesians 5. And so even as we begin dating, I think it's important for, for us to understand the difference between manhood and womanhood and understand our our roles as women and certainly that takes into goes into effect once we're married but if we're beginning to date i think it's also important for us to understand what is the role of a woman Mm. and especially what is the role of a wife once she gets married so karen i was just thinking maybe you could expand on that a little bit so this is actually great to start right back at the beginning um you know we are we are told that women were made as a helper. Mm -hmm. And I think that that perfectly explains our role, not in a diminished way. It doesn't mean that we don't have a lead role. It means that when we come alongside our husband together, Mm -hmm. we can accomplish so much more than when we are alone Um, in the sense that our personalities can complement each other. I know in my own marriage, I'm really bold. I'm really outspoken. Mm -hmm. I'm really organized and and on top of things and my husband's a little bit more relaxed and Mm. calm and soft-spoken and so he you know rounds off my edges and I help sharpen some of his and so I think that within a marriage we we become just a great uh, complementary element to one another so we love our husbands we respect our husbands Mm -hmm. we submit to our husbands and we are their helper and that we help them achieve their goals, mm-hmm. and they also help us with ours. And, and in submission, it doesn't mean that we are blindly following like quiet little mice behind the scenes, but that um, we present our concerns to our husband, our insights on the matter. But ultimately, you know, in submission, if our husbands decide to go one way or make a certain decision, we come alongside of them. We love them. We encourage mm-hmm. them. And even if we don't agree, we don't follow begrudgingly. You know, we right. follow with a happy heart. Uh, similar to our relationship with the Lord, we ultimately submit to His rule and His trust, but we also can cast our cares on Him and we share with Him our burdens. We call out to Him. Absolutely. The importance of really good communication 
and being willing to say, you know, why is this happening or why are you doing it this way? Can you explain it to me? Mm. We see that throughout the Psalms, right? That the psalmist will cry out to God and ask questions, but ultimately his end resolve is to trust the Lord. And that's what we're called to do as well. If we understand Ephesians 5, where the husband is to lead his wife as Christ led the church and the wife is to submit and respect mm-hmm. her husband as she does as the church does to Christ then it makes sense that we would um absolutely trust and respect but the church also has times when we say lord why can you explain mm-hmm. this to me can you help me and um we we might ask questions and we we will share our heart and we will give our our thoughts and opinions as well and certainly in the end we want to trust trust our husbands and um and go from there but our husbands as well they they've been called to be christ-like lovers Mm. and so in our dating relationship we want to check our own heart make sure we're willing to trust a man to lead us but then we want to look for someone who is trustworthy Mm. who Mm -hmm. is seeking to live out the example of christ right and no man's going to be do that perfectly, just like we aren't going to perfectly be willing to submit, right? <laughs> right. We, we have our moments, our times when we mess that up. But if if he's humble and willing to to love like Christ has has loved the church, we found a good man. Mm-hmm. And so when we're dating, we want to be able to find someone that we're willing to follow, willing to trust. And if there's any big red flags where he is not following like Christ, maybe maybe this is not the person that we should be dating. And essentially, dating is a great opportunity for us to um, to kind of get to know if this is someone who is willing to lead us and someone whom we're willing to follow. And so uh, communication, trust, you kind of talked a little bit about how you tend to be a pretty bold personality. And... Um, so for these kind of situations, how can you also show your husband that you trust him, even if you tend to be the bolder one in your personality? Mm. Whew. I'm thinking that one through really good. I know it's a tough one, right? But I see that in so many different situations where there's so many, so many times the woman starts leading in the relationship ah, because mm-hmm. she has the stronger personality. And yet, if she's going to be a helpmate, she should use her her amazing, strong personality to motivate him, to encourage mm-hmm, him, and mm-hmm, to support mm-hmm. him, rather than just taking the lead, right? So you're definitely so, not alone in this. <laughs> yes. So when you explain it that way, I, I have a more clear answer rather than going into excessive stories and examples. Yeah. Um, so for me, I find that I can encourage my husband with my bold personality. So I can say to him, hey, so I, I noticed this situation. This is what I would do. Have you thought about what you would want to do in this situation? Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's something that he wouldn't have even thought to start thinking about yet. Or, you know, he wouldn't necessarily think to confront mm-hmm. that person yet or, you know, things like that. And so I just, you know, kind of put the bug out there like, hey, I just I, I had this idea. What What do you think of this? Or how do you think you would handle this situation? Mm-hmm. And so kind of like gently coming alongside of him and encouraging him. And I think as wives, especially as wives that have larger personalities, um, we can do so much to help our husbands to become more bold, to become Mm -hmm. more of a leader. And I've seen that in our marriage 
um, as as we grow together and my husband starts realizing that when I present these things, I'm, I'm saying them because I love him mm-hmm. and I'm trying to encourage him, but doing it in the softest, most respectful way possible. Mm-hmm. And then knowing when to step step back and just that's, trust that's him, That's right? the point that yeah. <laughs> I would and, say is still, I, you still have to learn to grow in, right? Knowing when to, to just re- respect what decisions he's decided. If he's like, no, I'm not actually going to, to do that. You're like, oh, okay, yep. okay. <laughs> and we learn from our mistakes, right? Sometimes we we learn because, oh, we messed that one up. And we can always start fresh. That's where the grace of God comes in. But we have to be willing to say, hey, yeah, I messed that one up. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried mm-hmm. to lead and that didn't work out. And so we want to start seeing those kind of things take place in our dating relationships. Like I said a few moments ago, it's once we actually get married that these rules are concrete. But we want to be looking for mm-hmm. that to happen, right? And it's Another thing that uh, we want to be preparing ourselves for in the dating relationship is to, first of all, make sure our own hearts are in check. And that means in our, our role understanding of, of what womanhood and being a wife is all about. But even before that, I came across this great quote from a Desiring God article, and it said, to me, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain, which is a Bible passage. And so then explaining that, it says, if to live is Christ, then to date is Christ, Mm. to marry is Christ, to remain single is Christ. He is our reason for living and working, growing and learning, dating and marrying. Before you entrust your heart to someone else, resolve to love Jesus with all your heart. And I thought that was just such a good reminder because sometimes we can fall into a dating relationship and think that they're going to meet all of our needs. They're going to fill our emptiness, our loneliness. Or if we don't feel loved, then he'll, you know, make us feel so loved and perfect. And we're, if we're looking for that in people, we're always going to fall short right, and right. feel disappointed, right? So, Because it's not 50% of me and 50% of my boyfriend coming together, mm-hmm. getting engaged and making one whole person. It's me at 100% satisfied with Christ, him at 100% mm-hmm. satisfied with Christ, coming together and then glorifying God in the fact that we are, even though we're still have our broken edges and we're still working on mm-hmm. things, we've learned to submit to God and love God. So then as a wife, we can a little bit easier submit to our husband and love him. And our husband who has learned to submit to God and trust his authority can also then as a husband come along, come alongside the marriage and submit to God. Mm-hmm. And because of the love he receives from Christ, he can love his wife. Yeah, absolutely. And seeing that in a dating relationship is so important. We can be so self-focused because large, well, partly it's our sin nature, right? But it's also culture that has just romanticized dating. And actually, one thing I was, I've was i been thinking about the last little while is how so many times we as women can be so selfish in mm. a dating relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You've probably seen this where, you know, well, Valentine's Day is coming up. And so the the girlfriend or even the wife can expect all this romance from the guy and forget that she too is part of that relationship mm. and that she too needs to be investing in pouring love and respect. And I, I just think we have to be careful there that we're equally loving our boyfriend as much as we expect him mm-hmm. to love us, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely very important. Any other 
things that you'd like to talk about when it comes to dating? What else does a young dating couple need to know in order to have strong boundaries and just establish a godly relationship that could be preparing them for marriage? Mm -hmm. Well, one thing you actually mentioned already that I just kind of wanted to um, maybe draw out a little bit more is realizing that your dating season (laughs) is when you decide if Mm -hmm. you want to marry that person. That's not for engagement. Right. So don't um, get into a relationship and assume, okay, well, once we're engaged, then we can decide if this is going to work. Your engagement season should be to plan a wedding. Yeah. Right? To be preparing all of those little details. But your dating season, I wish we could instead call it courting. Back when mm-hmm. it was courting, when you when you know you pledged yourself to be in a relationship with someone, it was dating with the intent mm-hmm. of marriage. And once marriage was not an option, then you stopped dating. And I feel like that's a really big thing that we're missing in our culture, in our Christian culture. We know we date because we like someone, but we should date someone because we want to marry them, which means then in our friendships, we should be looking for these character traits, for trustworthiness, Mm -hmm. for someone who's not just a gentleman, but like a gentleman Mm -hmm. and a gentleman, someone who is not just a Christian, but who loves and honors and is like a godly man. And so if we're looking for those things in friendships and then developing and getting to know someone through a friendship, then when we start dating, then we can decide, do those character Mm -hmm. traits work? And do I see him being that way in a marriage? Right. And so that takes me back to the one of the first things we have to acknowledge is the fact that we should only date a man who is actually a Christ follower, Mm -hmm. right? 2 Corinthians 6.14 is very clear. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. Sometimes in all the romance or, you know, just that need or desire to be loved, we, we put this very essential truth aside and we forget that if we are Christians, we are righteous. Mm-hmm. We are light. And we have absolutely no so or no uh, unity with someone that is not righteous. Right, right. And it's not our own righteousness, but it's the righteousness of Christ. And we cannot link arms with someone that is still in darkness. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many times I hear of, well, I shouldn't say so many times, but you do hear of, of Christian parents that just stay quiet mm-hmm. when their kids start being interested in or going out on dates with someone who's not a believer. And yet it's so very, very clear. We cannot have fellowship with mm-hmm. darkness if we are light. There, You can't mesh the two. Uh, so super, super important. Do you have anything else to add about that? Because I know you've, uh, you've seen that kind of thing as well. Um, how to guard against that or mm-hmm. how, how to speak to our kids about that? Yeah. So first of all, we, I, th- I think a lot of times why as women, we think that we can go towards the non-believer and is, is we, we kind of want a missionary date. We mm. want to date them. And then, you know, when they're friends with us, they'll come to church with us and then they hear the gospel and then they'll be a Christian. And, you know, I'll have like a little bit to say in that. And I can maybe kind of mm. take some of the, the, the like, yay me. I did, you know, I, I, I'm the one who brought my boyfriend to church and be, helped him become a Christian. And that is just so dangerous because mm. we know in our relationships, that even in our female relationships, that if we are um, so close with someone that's not a believer, that more often they are pulling us down than we are pulling them up. So we just have to be so careful 
in doing that. Mm. So first of all, I would say it it actually blows my mind how often I see young girls in friendships with boys mm. that aren't believers. Mm. And, you know, you say like, oh, so I'm not supposed to be friends with anyone that's not a Christian? No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that like those deep friendships, mm. those those texting conversations about your future and those conversations, text in person, not that you can have many in person right now, but those, those conversations should not be had mm. with a person of the opposite sex that you haven't started a relationship mm-hmm. with that is not a believer. So guarding your heart that way, being careful that if you are drawn, even physically attracted to someone of the opposite sex, if they're not a believer, put up a wall right there. Yep. Okay, Lord, I know I can't pursue that. So please shut that down. Guard me against that. Help me return to you. Be fully satisfied in you. Absolutely. And then it's, okay, so I'm you know pursuing a relationship with someone and I find out that maybe they're not actually as deep of a believer as I am. And I, I think that that's mm. equally damaging, yeah. right? When we hear equally yoked, we think, oh, as long as we both believe in God. And that's not... Exactly. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to be married to someone who just believes in God. Because if he just believes in God, is he going to be okay with enrolling our kids on sports on Sunday mornings rather mm, than exactly. being committed to a local church? Is he going to be okay with our kids going to a skate park on Friday night rather than being committed to youth group and exactly. growing in their faith? And so we need to be looking for not just Christians, but men of God. And if you notice that in your dating relationship, when you like, if you start noticing that we're dating, but he's just not as sold out as I am, as hard as it is, end that relationship. Yeah. And I know from this side of, of dating, when you're already married, it sounds easy to say that, but it, it makes such a difference. Mm-hmm. So end that and you never know if that person will then end up pursuing Christ more and a relationship can um, blossom again. But if they're not equally yoked, if they are not the same level of committed, surrendered, um, living out the biblical teachings as you are, then you should not be pursuing that relationship Absolutely. anymore. Because the main discipleship at that point or the main evangelism should happen from other men, other guys, not from you as the girlfriend Mm -hmm. or almost girlfriend, right? Mm. Because then emotions get mixed up and it's hard to really know, is this really because he's pursuing the Lord or is this because he he's infatuated with me? And so Jesus is part of me. And so he Mm. is kind of wanting part of Jesus for the time being, right? I heard this quote that I used to like, back when I was a teenager, I had it like on my MySpace page and, you know, it was really like important to me, but it it, it actually still applies that I want to be so lost in God mm. and so in love with God that a man has to seek God in order to find me. Absolutely, right? And if you, if you find a guy like that or if a guy like that <laughs> finds you, right? Like that's that's a beautiful thing. And so those are kind of some of the basics. Like we want to make sure that we are are living for Christ, that our heart is right and that we are dying to Christ or dying to ourselves and living for Christ, which means we're dating for Christ. We want to make sure that we understand our roles and the role of, of a man in a relationship. We want to make sure that we're equally yoked, meaning not just that we're both believers, but we're equally desiring to grow and surrender to the Lord. And then uh, we also, I think, um, once we get into that, look, those are some of the, the basics of, of starting to date and looking uh, to, to have a boyfriend and him looking for us. We want to have those basics down. And if those basics are down, 
Then we can start this dating relationship. Mm-hmm. And so what are some things that we should keep in mind as we're dating and in that time before we're even considering saying, yeah, absolutely, yes, this is the mm-hmm. one I'm, I, mm-hmm. I want to marry? So one thing I really want to touch on when we first started talking about like that pre-engagement season is how often we end up robbing our actual engagement season or robbing from our engagement season by when we're dating, Mm. talking too much about marriage. Mm -hmm. So yes, there's the things you want to talk about. You want to make sure that you have the same beliefs. You want to make sure that you have the same um, life goals, not necessarily career goals, but like you know, we both want to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. We both want to raise biblical children. These are conversations you want to be having in your dating relationship to make sure that you could marry mm-hmm. this person. But you also want to not start planning your mm-hmm. wedding. Absolutely. And I think that this happens so often with couples that start dating really young, mm-hmm. um, dating in early high school years. And so, you know, they've been dating for, by the time they graduate, you know, they've been dating for four years. And then, mm-hmm. You know, they want to finish uh, university, so then that's another four years. And so they start planning these weddings or talking about them really early, but there's no ring. Mm. So without a ring, you don't have a commitment that a marriage is happening. So what ends up happening is you start spending so much time thinking about getting engaged, thinking about planning a wedding, that you're not actually focused on the season you're in. So you're so busy planning a wedding in your mind and, you know, filling your Pinterest board with all the things that you <clears throat> you want to have in that future relationship and in that future wedding, dreaming of the day. But you're you're not actually paying attention to if this person is marriage material. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. you're, you get distracted. And I think the same thing happens when um, couples get married and they right away start spending too much time thinking about what's next. Mm. They start spending too much time thinking about when are we going to have kids? What's that going to look like? What's, like too, too much time. And instead, they forget to just be newlyweds, to yeah. just enjoy getting used to one another, getting to know one another, getting used to this whole new mm. season of living with someone. So take that back to dating. If you're dating someone, but you're always talking about wedding, you're mm. always talking about what you would want your wedding to look like, are you enjoying being dating? Exactly. We so often miss out on the moment because we're looking for the next yes, season in life, yes. right? And so much. And if we can practice that in dating, it's going to set us up for a much better marriage right. as well. And dating is so fun. You get yeah. to actually go on dates. That's, you yeah. know, you're not living together. So you get to find time. You get to be romantic. You get to plan really exciting things. You have to be very intentional. Uh, usually, if you're dating, you have <laughs> some dis- disposable income, so you yep. get to go out on maybe more dates because maybe you still live at home and you have a job, so you can, you know, afford to go and do that. But once you're married, it's 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 great. There's advantages. Mm-hmm. You don't you get to see each other every moment that you're home, but at the same time, maybe you know your finances have to be saved towards the the rent, the mm-hmm. mortgage payment, the gas, the hydro, all of those things. So, that, you know, that extra money isn't always there. But when you're dating, you there's this fun, this excitement. You know, you're never going to get to be in that season again if you end up marrying this person. So enjoying that, having fun in that season and not robbing from the engagement season, not getting too far ahead of yourself. I and agree. It, I think sometimes as Christians, we almost lose sight of the value of just plain old fun. Yes, and, and enjoying yes. life. Mm-hmm. We, we're so serious and so intentional and and we just want to do everything right. And yeah, that's 
part of the Christian life, but it's not a, it, it should come mm-hmm. naturally as an outflow of who we are rather than being so rigid. And sometimes that can take away from, from the fun. And that includes the fun of dating. Mm-hmm. And another thing I've noticed is the reality is many times dating couples, like you said, are still living at home. And yes, if they're adults, they're probably, they have responsibilities to do laundry or some of the cleaning at uh, home and, and maybe pay for some of the, their own bills. But that's nothing compared to owning <laughs> your own house and being absolutely responsible for buying all the groceries mm. and cooking all the food and cleaning the entire house and doing all the laundry and paying all the bills between the two of you. Mm-hmm. You have to figure that out. That's that's a responsibility that you don't necessarily have when you're dating. And so it gives you more time to mm-hmm. have fun. So enjoy it. Like mm-hmm. you said, I love mm-hmm. that. One other thing I would say too is we have to remember to be guarding our hearts in dating. So if you're spending all of this time um, with this man, and then what happens if he doesn't propose? Mm. What happens if you don't end up getting married? So what do you do with all of those ideas? Like, would you feel comfortable with using your Pinterest board for the next guy? Mm. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Right? So, and, and then your heart in that, like pr- the Proverbs tell us to guard our heart. And without a ring... This man has made no promise to you, yet you're making plans as if he has. Mm -hmm. So now I would say that the only exception in that, people (laughs) have asked me often right now, like, well, I'm dating, but it's COVID. So shouldn't I talk a little bit about marriage, a little bit more about like the the actual (laughs) nitty gritty of will this happen? And I think that that's the exception. So first of all, before COVID, I would say the exception would be talking timeframes. Okay, so like if we want to get married, when do we when do we think that that should happen? You know, okay, well, I want to finish school. Okay, great. So then we kind of wait until you're finished your school. Or you know what? I want to wait until I get this this um, different job. Or, mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe we can't even afford a ring right now, so it's not on the table. So then right. what do we do to change our financial situation so that we can move towards that? So there's, there's practical conversations yeah. about it. But then in a time like COVID, it's if you wanted to get, you have to ask this question, do you want to get married in the middle of all of this? Do we want to wait? Um, you know, would we be okay with a five-person wedding? Mm. Or like having those conversations is the exception. Yeah. So you still want to talk about practical things, but you don't want to be constantly daydreaming and constantly living and acting as if this engagement is going to happen mm-hmm. when there is no ring yet. Exactly. And that can kind of catapult you forward too quickly into the intimacy of your relationship Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you've discovered everything about yourself and you no longer have interesting facts that you're trying to figure out but you you're so much longing for marriage and that also impacts our our physical desires right and as we're thinking about marriage we know we're going to marry this person it can just increase our our sexual temptations even Mm -hmm. so much more right and so anybody that's dating needs to be very clear on their sexual boundaries and so i don't know karen if you have any uh (laughs) anything you'd like to say about that i don't know if i have like like a a passion for purity and if i have a few things i might want to pull out on that (laughs) all right go for it okay okay so purity and dating season is so so important um, because even in the creation account, God is making everything and he says everything is good. You know, the sky mm-hmm. is good. The water good. This man is good. The only thing he says is not good is for man to be alone. So 
we want to make sure that when we're dating that we are not dating for a really long time. Mm. The, we, you know, those couples we were talking about that start dating really early on in their their teenage years, like that's that's setting yourself mm. up for failure with your purity because man is not designed to be alone. Mm. When he finds someone he's attracted to, when we find someone we're attracted to, those ball, like the, those emotions start rolling around in us and they cannot be caged forever because they are from mm. God. Mm-hmm. God gave us those emotions. They are good. God created sex. Sex is good. But it's good in his parameters, and his parameters are marriage between one man and one mm-hmm. woman. So if we are tempting that by by dating really early, dating really young, or dating for a very long time, and I mean like very long time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, dating for you know multiple, multiple, multiple years without an engagement, without um, you know an idea of when this is going to end, that's not going to go well. I've given this analogy before about um, sex and intimacy being like baseball Mm -hmm. and how, okay, so a a baseball player wouldn't step up to bat with the intent of only getting to first base. They would say that he's ruining the game, right? The The intent of baseball is to get to home run, to get to home base, to get that, you know, that great play. And so as Christians, we are often stepping up to bat before we can play through the game. And that's very dangerous. We're allowing our emotions to get in the way and mm-hmm. we are stepping up to that bat. We start with, you know, really inappropriate things, staying together late at night, being out together, letting those emotions kind of build. And then we want to stop it and we try to stop it. And stopping the game once you've started is so difficult. It's so difficult because our bodies are designed to play through. Absolutely. So in our purity, in that dating season... Don't step up to bat. Don't keep playing a game that your body is not designed to stop at a base. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's where it's very important within the first couple of dates that you have very clear communication. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the boyfriend, the, the guy you're dating will bring it up. But if he doesn't, absolutely, we need to be clear and say, hey, this this is my standard. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And what are some boundaries that we can, you know, establish to make mm-hmm. sure that we're mm-hmm. not going, you know, in our, you know, tempting each other in right. our sexual relationship. So do you have any um, boundaries that you give to young, young girls that they should definitely put in place yeah. when they <laughs> begin dating? Uh, first of all, this conversation doesn't have to be awkward with the boyfriend. Um, even if you are not bold, you can simply just say like, listen, I like you, but I love God more and God designed my body and my body is first his Mm -hmm. and second, my husband's. And so until you are my husband's, my body is not yours. And it's a lot easier (laughs) and a lot less awkward to say it before you kind of go too far. Right. Right. Because then you have to kind of apologize Mm -hmm. and seek forgiveness Mm -hmm. and it's just really awkward because then you're kind of making him feel bad and you yourself are feeling bad so why not talk about it it's less awkward before you do anything that you shouldn't than afterwards and people often ask like nitty-gritty what am I allowed Mm -hmm. what am I allowed to do while I'm dating and I would encourage you anyone that's listening with this if you are involved in something that is causing you to want more that is too much. So if your if your boyfriend kisses you on the cheek and that's fine, or he kisses you, you know, a gentle kiss and that's that's fine. And 
But if you start longing for more, if you start feeling your your hormones kind of mm. kick up into the next level, if you start wondering what could happen next and you start feeling the desire to go there, that's the line. So, you know, there will be some women who the line is we I don't want to kiss until we're engaged. And that's their conviction. And and knowing knowing where you stand on that and always setting your boundaries really high. (laughs) You know, I would rather set my boundaries crazy high Um, before Richard and I got married. We actually we were you know, you're, you're married, we were starting to make all these plans and, you know, the emotions are getting more intense and we just decided that we actually weren't going to have any physical contact mm-hmm. for, it ended up being like 69 days before our wedding. And people thought we were ridiculous. And yet on the wedding day, it's so worth it. It was so right? worth it. And we just felt that we would rather look ridiculous leading up to the wedding where we knew we were going to mm-hmm. get to be together fully then potentially stumble and make huge mistakes yeah. in the last final months of, with our purity. And it actually prepares you to have a pure marriage as well. It does. Because if you can say no pre prior to getting married, mm-hmm. it sets you up to be able to say no afterwards. Because mm-hmm. the reality is we still have sexual temptations or possibly have sexual temptations once we're married. Mm-hmm. And that could have a lot greater you know, damaging effects than even prior. So... It, it sets us up to be those people of strong conviction and strong self-awareness um, so that we can say no. And uh, so, so important. And uh, I know even with having the best intentions, we just have to avoid certain places, yes. right? Like parked cars and being alone in a house, uh, cuddling on a couch under the same blanket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These These things just set us up for failure. And if we have that desire to live for Christ and to date for Christ, why would we even put ourselves in a position? Mm-hmm. Another thing that I know is uh, you brought out, like if, if you are starting to feel that that desire for more, the reality is many times the, the man is going to feel it even before mm-hmm. you do. So as women, we want to be careful about that. If, if we're feeling it, he's already felt it yep. much sooner than yeah. you have. Yep. Uh, so I love uh, just some of the things that we've uh, been able to talk about, just being very clear on sexual boundaries and enjoying the season and being able to communicate. And one of the things that I did want to also talk about is the idea of rings. Ooh. And I've just noticed that um, there's some controversy on how this should all happen and it can be kind of a sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. For four couples, and many times the couple goes out shopping before they actually even get engaged. And I just, I just personally think we need to be cautious about that. Kind mm-hmm. of like what you were talking about earlier, Karen, about talking too much about the engagement before you even get engaged. I think if there's too much talk about the ring, that can also take away from the surprise or the the joy of the engagement. And so. Um, sometimes you might ask, like, what should the girl's involvement be in purchasing the ring? So (laughs) this is actually really funny because until the last 50 years, maybe even a little bit before that, rings were just a simple metal band, gold, silver, usually gold. um, And they were simple. They were just a symbol of a commitment. So now we have a lot more mm. options. We use diamonds and we have, you know, and more 
more economically diverse. Mm -hmm. um, people can handle the financials of getting different styles of rings. So it's not just like the elite anymore that are getting the diamonds and the big jewels. But we have to be really careful because before it used to just be the man decides he wants to marry this woman, goes and gets a ring, proposes. Now it's the woman's like, well, do you want to know what I'd like? Mm. Do you want to know what style and what cut and what shape? And as women, I think we spend too much time thinking about that. I absolutely agree with that. And I think we need to back off a little bit. Yeah. And certainly he needs to know the ring size and... Uh, so but there's also ways around that. True. You know, I, I think it would be way more exciting as a bride, a future bride, to have a man figure something out where he, you know, has a girlfriend figure something out or, you know, he gets the information without the two of you necessarily spending so much time picking out the perfect ring. Because here's the thing. When you're not expecting it, or even if you're a little bit expecting it, if he presents you with a ring, that ring will be the exciting ring. Absolutely. And you're going to love it unless you're a very selfish person, right? <laughs> and so I, I really wonder if sometimes women are too involved in this. They start going ring shopping and dropping hints because I wonder if they actually really trust their boyfriend to get mm. them a ring that is generous enough, that is, you know, truly a demonstration of his love and it, it almost seems to be an insecurity thing. And it's certainly I can't just judge every girl's motive. But if you trust that your your the one that you want to be your husband is generous in his love and generous in his giving, why do you have to be so involved? Mm -hmm. And if you can just be content with his choice, if he actually is a generous person, why do you have to be so particular about what you want because then once again it becomes about you rather right. than what the ring is actually about which is an agreement between the two of mm -hmm. you that you have decided to get married mm -hmm. that's the most important part right and so if you can't trust him you need to ask yourself like is this my issue do mm -hmm. i actually not really believe he loves me enough am i finding my worth in the size of my ring like mm -hmm. that should never be the case but if he is actually a stingy person and he does not want to give generously, either financially or or with his love, maybe he's not really a humble Christ follower mm. after all. Because uh, giving generously doesn't mean he's going to pay the $10,000 for a ring, but he's going to be generous with what he has. Exactly. And if he's being generous with what he has, does it matter if it's $500 or $5,000? Exactly. I don't think so, right? So just some things to think about, right? I think uh, our culture, once again, has has gotten overly involved in the ring buying and the, it's all about the girl and how big is the ring. And if, if you've got a bigger ring than your girlfriend, then, you know, you're more special. And that's... Mm just so not right and not biblical thinking. Rather, I would just say, look for someone that's generous, someone who is selfless, and and then being content with what you have, living for God's glory, not man's glory. And our identity always is in Christ. It is not in our future husband. And mm -hmm. we have to start practicing that now. Uh, so just some thoughts on, on the ring, um, the time of, of preparing to get that ring, uh, just just guard your hearts, girls, and make sure that you are not being selfish and that you are not um, trying to find your worth in the size of mm -hmm. a ring. Mm -hmm. 
And so thank you for joining me, Karen. I love your passion on dating and purity and marriage. And I know you've mentored a lot of young women and young couples. And so I'm just so thankful for that. And to all of our listeners, I hope you will join us again next week as we continue our series on wedding planning. And this will be specifically during engagement. So until then, have a blessed week and we'll talk to you then. Thank you.